Hello, and welcome to the Loft Gathering Podcast. Here at the Loft, our mission is reconciliation. We truly hope this podcast draws you into a new sense of belonging within the loving arms of Jesus Christ. Let's get started. You know, let's jump into the Word this morning. We've been, does anybody know what we've been studying this whole year? Todd said God. That's profound, Todd. What, what have, what, who, what, who, what'd you say? The fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. That's right. See, I knew if you thought about it a second. You know, it was, you were so overcome in that presence of God and that holy place that you don't forget everything we talked about. But the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, why are we talking about that? Because culture is trying to kill, destroy, and remove that. And we need it. We need to be moving in the presence of the Holy Spirit. We need to be following his direction and leading. We need to understand that he's wired us in a certain way. If you haven't had an opportunity to take the spiritual gift profile, come and see me or Christine. Christine, raise your hand so everybody knows who you are. That's Christine. And she has the profiles for us. You can take a personality one or a, a personal gifts one. And, you know, these aren't like our favorite our favorite things in life. Our favorite thing in life is to talk about Jesus and to look at him because the more we behold him, the more we become like him. But we take these little tests as tools that we might discover how he hardwired us on the inside, that we might see the things that we prefer, the behaviors that we display, that those are, that God loves that about us. You know, do you ever get frustrated about some of your behaviors, your little idiosyncrasies or the things that are about yourself that you just, man, I wish I could change that. Well, maybe, maybe if it's negative and it's hurtful, yeah. But why, what if we spun it? Instead, and let the Holy Spirit get a hold of it and just like do like this magic on it. I know we don't like the word magic. Do his spiritual enlightenment and restoration and healing on it, that it might become something that is wonderful and awesome for people to look at because God wired us the way that we are. And so today we're going to talk about discernment. And discernment is, see, it's a big word, you know, discernment, three syllables, and it means basically having an insight into what is happening to perceive what's going on around and about us. You know, Paul was telling us in these scriptures in Corinthians, I sang my heart out, I need a little sip there, but telling us in these scriptures that the Holy Spirit has given gifts diversely as he wills. So somebody might walk in this tremendous gift of faith and somebody else might walk in a gift of serving. Somebody else might be the biggest giver in the room, and someone else might have a prophetic utterance, some kind of word that just brings life and light and encouragement to us. And so we can't look at somebody else's gift and think, man, I wish I had that gift. We have to flow in and be comfortable in what God has given us to hold and to have and to use and to be, because we're selected. We're the chosen generation, the royal priesthood of God. We're his peculiar people. Peculiar is the word. Brought out of darkness into light that other people might be drawn out of darkness into light through your life. That's profound. That's what we're called to to be, ministers of reconciliation. Every single one of us, not just me, everybody. Have you ever heard that before? Every believer, a minister? That's the way the Bible puts it out. Jesus sends out the disciples to go and minister and baptize and spread the gospel. We all have a responsibility, and I think if we could discern, have a perception and intuition Take a look around at the time that we live in. It's more important now than ever 
that we realize the gift and the fruit of the Spirit resting on us and in us, that it would come through us, that it would minister to people around us. Are you tracking with me this morning? You like it? Are you ready? You guys should just put on your seatbelt. It's going to be a, a, good, a good ride this morning. So come on, Holy Spirit. Have your way. Discerning of spirits. Discerning of spirits is another way. They, distinguishing of spirits or discernment. Distinguishing of spirits. I mean, if you could think about that for a second, that means, I mean, how many problems are there in the world? How many? Every problem, I believe, has spiritual attachment to it. So whatever you're going to name, if it's poverty, if it's lust, if it's greed, if it's pride, whatever it is, I believe it has a spiritual attachment behind it. And God will raise us up in such a way that we can discern what it is and, and what's going on behind the action and behind the behavior. Did, I, did, did anybody think that was crazy or are you tracking with that? You get that? Because that's the way that the Holy Spirit, you're more than you think you are. You have more ability. You have more sense of kingdom on the inside of you than you're even aware of. So discerning of spirits, a gift of the Holy Spirit. It's an ability to know. The dictionary says it's an ability to judge well. And it also says in the second definition, it says in Christian context, it says that in the regular dictionary. In Christian context, it's a perception with the absence of the judgment with a view to obtain spiritual guidance and understanding. It's a view to obtain spiritual guidance and understanding. I don't know if you're aware of it. You know, people look all over the place for spiritual guidance in the form of tarot card reading, mediums, sorcerers, psychics, any other. You, you drive down anywhere in greater St. Louis and you're going to find some kind of shop. I saw one yesterday that said, wizards crystals or something like that and scott goes what do you think is that a tattoo place and i'm like i wish it was but no i mean i think it was just some kind of insight for spiritual guidance people are desperate for it looking for it and you know who has it who knows the answer you do you do you know him but fear has gripped us as a nation as a people and we're afraid that we'll be canceled we're afraid that culture won't receive us anymore and we're going to cast off all that restraint and we're going to find discernment. And we're going to find the place that the Holy Spirit intends for us to land on this. Are you with me? Yeah. Okay, so last week we talked about kindness. And how kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. And we have to have kindness in order to carry out some of these gifts of the Spirit. Or you're just going to sound like an egomaniac and a little bit harsh and maybe a little bit cuckoo. But if you have kindness and you exercise a little bit of finesse, then you'll be able to figure out how to win the hearts of people. That's how Jesus did it. You either loved him or hated him. You know, people loved him. Crowds would, would just be drawn to him for healing and yeah, for food, but for his finesse, for the way that he spoke to the religious leader, the way that he healed the blind man, the way that he touched a leper. Those things were astounding to people and they loved him for it. And the people that hated him felt displaced by him because it didn't matter what it looked like anymore. It mattered what it actually was. I love that thought. Okay, so we talked about kindness, and Jesse and I, my daughter Jesse and I were talking about this, and she said, you know, because I was telling about a story where she ran into a mechanic shop and brought out some guys to help defend a woman that was being battered, and she goes, you know, I, w I don't know if I would do that today, and I go, you would, it's who you are as a human, and she goes, yeah, but you know, there's so many um, vile corruptions and so many deceptions in the world today, it's just like gotten so bad, she's like, I wouldn't know, I wouldn't know if I could do it, if I would be, even be safe to do it. And I go, well, that's why we have discernment, so that we can discern the time that we're in to be able to determine if this is the time for me to act in kindness, or is this dangerous for me? So one time I was in um, 
in Destin, Florida. We don't, we don't go there as much, but I love that place. It's easy to get to in a day. And I was there with my daughters and a girlfriend. And we're just sitting on the beach, it's a gorgeous day. And I have this feeling, I, I'm like, I'm good at the beach for a couple hours and then I'm ready to go. So I make myself stay as long as my family wants to be there. So when I had this thought, I was like, man, I think we need to get out of here. I just had that thought, you know? And, and my friend was like, my friend's name was Jody. She goes, well, why do you think, why, why do you think it's such a beautiful day? And I go, I don't know, I just got a bad feeling. I think we should get out of here. Let's start to get stuff together. And she goes, well, my little device doesn't say there's any storms. It was just at, those new phones were coming out. And you, you can see everything on there now. But 10 years ago, I mean, it was a new thing. And she goes, yeah, my little device, my little tool says that the storm's like really far out. It's, it's not coming. And I go, well, my little device right here says that we need to get out of here. And so Jesse goes, well, let's go. And so everybody starts picking up their stuff. And she turns around and she said, holy mother of God. That's what she said. And we all look and there's this huge black cloud. It's behind us. It was coming up behind us. We didn't know it was there. We're looking at the ocean. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. The water, the sun. And we're like, let's go. And we're all laughing so hard. And we're grabbing all of our stuff. And we're getting inside. And, you know, if you're in Destin, it's across the highway. So you got to go up and over and, and through the plank and back over to the other side to where we were staying. And it just started to drip, drip, drop just a little bit. And then we got inside. And then it crashed. I mean, thunder, big storm. It was wild. And we sat on the balcony and watched the rain. And we talked about tools and discernment and devices inside. The Holy Spirit wants to guide. The Holy Spirit wants to save. He gives us like an inclination. The Bible calls it an unction. You have an unction from the Holy Spirit on the inside of you that you don't need anybody to tell you, babe. You already know. You just got to lean into it. Do you ever find that you're, you're in a place and you have that sense, you have that feeling like, I shouldn't be here. I should be, I should not be here. And then something bad goes ahead and happens. And you're like, darn. Well, that was the Holy Spirit. He was telling you, get out of here. Or, you know, just to use a practical, even more practical of an example, like my husband tells a story when he was transporting a motorcycle and or a car or something, and he had this thought, you should get off, check the straps. That's what we do for a living outside of here, buy and sell vehicles. And he thought, man, I should get off the highway, should check these straps, make sure everything's okay. But he didn't do it. He said, ah, I could just go. I can go ahead and make that next stop. And some big, you know, rock flies up and takes a chunk of paint out of it. And he was like, mm. you know, something little like that. The Holy Spirit was saying, you better get off here and check those straps. But we don't want to do it. Do you know the Holy Spirit will test you on a little thing? You want to go ahead and run something big? Okay, we'll go back and check and see if you close the garage door when you have that inkling. Go ahead and pull off that exit. Make sure the, tr the straps are tied down tight because God's not going to trust you with a human heart if he can't even trust you with a fender, you know? So he's speaking to us all the time, an unction from the Holy Spirit on the inside. Go this way, go that way, land here. Discern what the times are. That was John 2.20, by the way, if you're taking notes. So when do I do the act of kindness? When I have the unction from God to move in it. We follow the Holy Spirit first. So listen to this. I think things creep in. You know, we're going about our merry way as, our, as Christians, and things will creep in, like confusion or disillusionment or, you know, just kind of things that get us off track from where God has called us in true north. True north, the place that God called us to follow hard after him and to, and to receive all of his fruit, all of his goodness, all of his gifts and blessings, and then be the distributor of those things to the world at large until we see him, Right? Right? 
So things creep in, little by little. And if you listen to this parable that Jesus gave, there's ground everywhere. You're living in it. You are the soil, as a matter of fact. And Jesus gives a parable about wheat and weeds, or wheat and tares if you're old school. Tares are weeds, okay? And so they, this is what happens. Just listen to it. Lean in. I'll read it. Matthew 13. He, Jesus, presented another parable to them. He said, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. What kind of seed? Good seed in his field. Let the field be your heart, just for the sake of the conversation. But while people were sleeping, his enemy came. When did he come? When they were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then left. What did he sow? When did he do it? And what kind of seed was there before? I'll just make sure we're on the same page. Okay, so sowed weeds among the wheat and then left. And when the plants sprouted and produced the grain, the weeds also appeared. The landowner's slaves came to him and said, Master, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Then where did the weeds come from? An enemy did this with an exclamation point, he told them. So do what you want to, so do you want us to go and gather them up? The slaves asked him, no, he said. When you gather up the weeds, you might also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At the harvest time, I'll tell you, I'll tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and tie them in bundles to burn them, but store the wheat in my barn. Confusion comes in just like this. I don't think the enemy can read our minds. And what does that have to do with discernment? You gotta learn to discern between weeds and wheat. Okay? Because there is good seed in you, and it's powerful, and it's coming up. But the enemy will come when you're at rest and when you don't expect it, right behind your back, sneaking in a storm on you that you're unaware of. You've got to learn to lean in and to discern the times that you live in and what is going on around you and live. Okay? And the weed is going to come up, and the weeds are going to come up too, until you're fully mature and until you are full grown, maybe you can't tell the difference, and that's okay too. You keep growing, and you keep letting that good seed take root on the inside of you. It's pretty powerful. It's the same confusion. It's the same with disillusionment. It's the same with depression. These things, they creep in, and before long, you're like overwhelmed, and you're like, how do I get out of this? Who can rescue me from this body of death? Oh, it's Jesus. So I love this stuff. And we, you know what else we do? We play the blame game. Okay. So we end up in a situation, and I, hear, I talk to a lot of people in different venues all the time, and I hear stuff like, well, you know, I was talking to, I mean, I, it's like hard to tell the story without telling the story, but I got to do it that way for the sake of being able to be trustworthy. But somebody's telling me, well, there's just, there's no good men left out there anymore. So I'm just going to do me. And I'm like, hmm, okay. Are you going to do anybody else? Because that's the thing that we need to get back to. Like, you can't just blame society as a whole and then do whatever you want. Okay? Look, this is the loft. We're real here. We just talk about what it really is, not what it looks like. Okay? It's like some people will say, well, the government, man, they're just completely corrupt. I have to do this on my taxes. I have to cheat. We make these huge statements. I have to. Well, well you know, society has, has gone so far down, you know, that's, that's perfectly acceptable now. And we start to buy in to what culture is dishing out toward us. And what happens is you can't tell the difference between the wheat and the weeds anymore. It's just a big old mess. You know who can tell the difference between weeds and wheat? Jesus and the discerning. Has God put something in us that if we will lean into this and we'll begin to listen to what he's telling us in the little things, he will 
grow our ability to have discernment. Now, discernment is like faith. Everybody has a little. Everybody has some measure of discernment. Everybody can tell the difference. If I put up here a big bright yellow color and a big bright red color, you could distinguish between the two pretty easily. Even in your mind, you probably created a yellow square and a red square. You know, and you're just, you can tell the difference because you know what they are. You learned it when you were little. Discernment can be learned. And I encourage you to learn it. But discernment is also a gift. And some of us carry more of it than others. And we have to learn to understand and appreciate those who are discerning and trust. You got to get around the people that you know flow in this kind of a thing. Do you, do you have people like that in your life? You know, I'm kind of like this. Like, I can see it. Like, like, here's the thing. If you walked through some kind of wild thing, like the, the big demons in the Bible, you know, lust, greed, and pride. Lust, greed, and the pride of life. If you've walked with them and then you've walked outside of them, you can see it walking in the door as soon as it hits the door. And you recognize it. You know why? Because you used to dance with it. What did, how did Paul say it? You used to be among idols in the beginning of, the, of this Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 12. You used to follow idols that couldn't speak. You used to just walk around and participate. But then God came and he lifted you out of that and set you up high on this rock. And he put the spirit of God on the inside. And now you're able to distinguish between what is good and evil. But everybody can't do that. Not yet. So when God gives you this gift of discernment and you've already walked through, like, you know, it could be lust, greed, and pride are big and they're easy targets. If you used to be a prideful person and God has humbled you and you come across somebody who is full of pride, you are going to know it in a second. But what the world has done is it's crippled our gift to make us judgy and fault-finding and criticizing of people, that we should be extending the arm that isn't too short to save and rescuing someone and speaking with finesse the spirit of wisdom to someone who is in pain that has gone through something that you have gone through as well. Who knows the way out better than you? But what we do is we're like, I'm repulsed by that. I can't, I don't do that. You're not that great. Jesus is great in you. You are here for a purpose. You're the ambassador of Christ. Reach back and gather someone and bring them along through what you went through. Tell them how hard it was. Tell them how hard it was to keep your mouth closed when you know that you were right and you could have said it and you didn't. I'm not speaking personal experience. I'm just using that as an example. Tell them how hard it was to dress modestly when you were used to getting attention. Tell them. Tell them how hard it was to not be greedy and take the first and best seat and give it to someone else. It's hard. You know why? Because inside of you is the battle of the flesh and the spirit, and it goes on constantly inside the same person. And you have to learn how to discern the difference between good and evil. Let's look at Matthew 5.14. You guys can stand up. I'm going to read the word. It's kind of long, so I'll give you your moment of reverence before the word of God. Thank you for this word, God. Mm. Hebrews 5.14, it says, solid food is for the mature. For those who have had, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice. Who is solid food for? The mature who have had their powers of what? Discernment trained by constant practice 
to distinguish good from evil. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by the constant practice to distinguish good from evil, is for the mature to have the skill to recognize the difference between what is right and what is wrong. Okay, you can sit down. Thank you for your attention. When a person is mature, they're also secure. Think of the qualities of a mature person. Now, I don't mean so mature like 80 years old. I mean just mature. You're not an adolescent anymore. Just have a bit of maturity about you. What are the qualities of a mature person? Because that's the person who's going to get solid food. That's the person that God is going to trust with discernment. Okay? If you're mature, you're secure. What I mean by that is when you're immature and you're an adolescent and you have peer pressure and things like that around you, sometimes you want to lean into a popular opinion. Popular opinion is not all that. When you get older and wiser, your opinion starts to lean toward what is good for you and what is good for the people around you. And when you've dedicated your heart and life to Jesus, your opinion becomes his will and his word and his way. Okay? So if you're immature, you might adapt and take on some of the things in the world that, you know, what does the Bible say in the last days? We're going to call good evil and evil good. And we look around and we just want to, you know, we just want to put out an agreement that says, hey, love is love. Love whoever you want. That's a good statement. Actually, love is love. And love whoever you want. I think you should love everybody. But I, I come to the place of my older age where I'm more mature so I can put something more solid out there that says, I'm going to love God. And whatever God commands me to do, that's what I'm going to do. And I'm not smarter than him. So I can love who God ordains me to love. And I can move in what God has called me to do in wisdom with finesse and speak some life. Culture will scream. Culture would be screaming out if they heard this message. They would call, call us a bigot. I, never, I haven't said anything bigoted here. I'm only talking about love. I'm talking about the love of God. I'm talking about following our maker. I'm talking about discernment to distinguish between spirits. What is prideful? What is lustful? What is greedy? And how can I discern it? the time that I live in, and how can I walk pure of it, right? Discernment's a powerful thing. Oh, man, I like this message more than y'all do, I think. So when you're, when you're mature, and you're eating this solid food, and you're practicing every day to discern the difference between what's right and wrong, it's like somebody will say, well, that's, right and wrong is relative. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's whatever you, whatever you think and whatever you feel, and it's like, well, okay, um, you can't even make one flower. This is my argument to everybody. You cannot even make one flower, neither can I. So my life then is served to a God who can control and create everything. Okay? He controls, he creates everything. And we belong to him. We're bought with a price. We're, we belong to him. So if he is giving me some kind of a word uh, for somebody, like you can't just go out in, in your job place or whatever and start saying, you know, I mean, crazy stuff. God hates so-and-so. You, you can't do that. That's not even loving. That's not even scriptural. But you can go in with a spirit of discernment and see your fellow man. Remember last week we, we agreed to carry out an exercise of kindness. Some of us did. And that's when you think about somebody in your life sphere that you might not give a second thought about and you certainly wouldn't go out of your way to help and you on purpose start 
to do intentional acts of kindness toward them. And within six months' time, three months' time, we guarantee, we don't guarantee, we think, we hope that you will like them and they will like you and there will be a change in the climate just by your act of kindness, right? Do you get that? We said, if you could, if you know their pain, go ahead and start ministering. Look for that finesse to be able to speak. If you don't know your pain, their pain, you have work to do to investigate. People hide their stuff and you are a miner. You are the ambassador of Christ to mine it out. The Bible says in Proverbs, a man of wisdom will mine it out. Go ahead and look for it. Look to be the answer. So what are you going to do? You have to have some discernment to be able to tell when it's time to move in and when it's time to hold back. If you discern something on someone's life, like, you know, just <laughs> if you're looking at the world and culture, we can use that because it's massive, and you look out in it, there's a huge spirit controlling a lot of things that go on. I'm going to call it the spirit of Antichrist. That's a big one, okay? If you look at systems, even people that are the teachers now, there's such a spirit of rebellion to not want to follow, you know, the ways of, of biblical instruction. Like, did you know that the buildings in Washington are filled with, like, Moses and, I mean, just people of old, they're just like old-time Bible characters carved into our buildings. I don't know, I remember which one, which one is it, Steve, that has that on it? What, the Congress? The House of Congress? I know, I know, I know it's, they're all white, but it has like all the way across, and Moses is standing there with Ten Commandments, and they're just, it's amazing to me. Well, did you know they put pride flags on top of it? You know? <laughs> doesn't matter. It's, it doesn't matter what people try to cover or sidestep from the word or will of God because God is God and he will have his way. And he brings discernment in such a moment like this. What difference does it make? What are there, 40 of us here? 30, 40 people. It's like, why would God bring a message like this to this room? Think about who you're going to impact this week and who you're going to look at and what you can discern. If you don't think it matters the, the day that you live in and that you can discern a spirit of antichrist, that you can discern a spirit of rebellion, that you can discern that people are trying to be like God in the day that we're living in. Have you ever read anything from like Romans? Have you ever read Thessalonians? You know, it's telling us that days are dark and, and look around and perceive the world that you live in. Why are you here at such a time as this? God has put on the inside of you to discern the day that you live in. Look, home is heaven. Home is heaven for us. This is the only hell we're ever going to know right here, this planet. This planet is the only heaven people that don't know Jesus will ever know. And it's our job to reconcile those things, people to God. Mm. So whether you have the gift of discernment or whether you're looking to become more discerning, this stuff is powerful. Here's where Paul demonstrates this. It's in the book of Acts. Chapter 16, and I'll just, I'll tell us the story. He's, he's walking, him and Silas are going about, and they're preaching the gospel, and they're healing people, and it's just a powerful time. And there's a woman following them around, and she's saying, these men are the Lord. They're the men of the most high God. These men are God's servant. And you would think just by reading the text like that, that it's a good thing. You know, it's kind of cool when somebody goes, man, that's a powerful woman of God. That church over there, they love people. What if we're known for loving people? That church over there, they give to the poor. They're, they're doing the work of the, of the Bible of God. And people say that stuff, and it's kind of cool to be recognized. We don't do it for that. But it's kind of neat when somebody says that. And so you would think that Paul would be like, oh, thanks. But he doesn't do that. 
after a little time of her doing this, he discerns that her spirit is not good. And he looks at her and he says, spirit, come out in the name of Jesus. And now she's unable to distinguish the future. If you ever wondered where tarot card readers, mediums, or psychics get their power, now you know. It comes from a spirit of divination. Divination, somebody having a spirit speaking to and through them. That's why it can be so specific. That's why you don't want to play with stuff like that. You don't want to get near a tarot card reading. And if you have, man, just repent, rebuke, break that thing in Jesus' name. You don't want to get near a Ouija board and start asking for some spirit to give you an answer. There is divination, and you're going to open yourself to all kinds of spirits that we're going to have to distinguish what is what on the other side and get you free from that. Don't even look at horoscopes. You know, what about fortune cookies? Okay, eat a fortune cookie, read how you're going to, you know, how every day is a sunny day. Okay, that's fine. But you've got to guard your heart because in and out of it flow every issue of life. And you have to be able to discern in these days that we live in. And with all that stuff murkying up the water, murkying up, I don't know, it's making it cloudy. And it makes us unable to be able to see clear what God is trying to say and what God is trying to do. He has all the answers. And you know what happens to Paul after he speaks to this woman? Everybody gets mad at him because they were using her and making money off of her ability to read the future. And so they get thrown in jail. They get beaten, whatever. You know the story. It's the night that the prison doors shake and rattle and roll and they get freed by some kind of angelic presence and all the guards get saved. It's kind of cool. You read it on your own time. But discernment lives on the believer and on the heart of a believer. And you can see why these things are so specific. It's powerful. Why do we need discernment, guys? Why do we need it? Yeah, I mean, for personal use, so that we won't get led astray. That's what Todd said, and he's right. So that we can have direction and purpose on our own life. It's a compass. Discernment is like a compass that keeps leading you back to Jesus and back to his way for your own life. It's right. The next thing we need discernment for is ministry. For yourself for self-navigation, and then secondly, for ministry. Ministry, you might recognize what someone else is going through. Lay your finesse on it. Get involved. Don't be, don't be afraid. Do many times it says fear not in the Bible? This message isn't about fear and tearing that down, but that's a sidebar. Fear has to come down in order to move with the finesse of discernment. We need it to minister. We need it to speak life to people. It's very powerful. <clears throat> Here, look at Rahab. How did Rahab know that those spies were not going to turn her in? How did she know they weren't going to kill her? How did she have the foresight to hide them? She moved in a gift of discernment. Jesus did it too. <clears throat> Jesus bends down and writes in the sand. And there's this whole hundred ideas of what he was doing when he was writing in that sand. What if Jesus was taking a moment to discern the impact of what he was getting ready to say and do? And he paused. See, discernment can act quickly, but most of the time, if it's coupled with wisdom, it's going to pause for a minute. And it's going to observe and have some intuition and perceive the moment that it's in. And Jesus discerned what he was going to do, hearing from God in that moment. I believe that's what he was doing. 
And then he stands up and he says, whoever doesn't have sin, go ahead and throw a stone. Right? Maisha, why don't you go ahead and make your way to the back? Maisha's going to get baptized here in a minute, you guys. And um, so I encourage you to stick around. You know how we do it. Just everybody going to come, come up on the stage and watch. She has a powerful story. I'll let her tell a little bit of that once we, once we close up. And you guys can stand up with me while she gets ready. I think if we could take a note from Jesus' work there, and take a pause to discern what God is trying to do in the day that we live in. I think so much of the time we speak off the top of our head. Have you ever heard that phrase? Well, off the top of my head, I've even said it. If you say off the top of my head, da 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 da, you know what it's saying? It's saying, hey, I haven't thought about this. I haven't given it any any consideration, but I'll blurt something out for you in this moment. And discernment doesn't do that. Discernment pauses and observes, and then it knows, okay? And so we move, we begin to move like a unit, like the people of God that we're called to be, moving and flowing in the gifts of, of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues to our Father, letting the Holy Spirit minister to us through tongues, speaking in words of wisdom and knowledge and prophecy to our friends, to our family, to this church, that God might put his hand on this corner. We've been praying this since we got here, that this corner would be a life-giving, drawing God presence, that we would worship God with abandon in here. Look at the worship that we do in this room. Listen to how it sounds to our ear. Look at how we respond in the presence of God when we're worshiping him. What if God has called us to be lovers of people and then also haters of sin? And finding the finesse in the middle somewhere that we're able to be attractive enough to draw men to him in this day that we could discern the time that we live in. Could you just lift your hands up? Could you just like lift your hands up to receive? Only if you want to receive it. Make your hand just like that. God, would you fill me with your spirit of wisdom and discernment? Would you give me those gifts that I might be able to walk about this planet as your ambassador, that it might make a difference where I show up? that it might be observed what I'm saying, God, that it might be your word in my mouth, that my tongue might be like that actual pen of a writer that's ready to put something worth reading on paper. God, would you make it come out? Would you just help me to pause like Jesus did for a minute and consider the moment of history that I'm in when I'm standing before someone? Would you breathe your life on me, God, and would you help me do it with kindness? It's the kindness of God that draws people to repentance. Help us to find that moment, God, and step in over and over and over again that you might be glorified, that you might be known, that people might get a hold of the edge of your garment and find salvation and healing in the name of Jesus. Thank you that our best days are still ahead of us, God, that we're not afraid. We are not afraid of men and what they can do to us. We are rather afraid of the awesome God that we serve that can send our soul anywhere he wants. But you've called us to walk in fellowship with you in communion with you, in the fruit of the Spirit, God. Thank you, God. What I meant to say, God, is thank you. And if there's anybody in this room that has never asked Jesus Christ to come and live in their heart, I encourage you to do that right now. You don't have a promise of tomorrow. You don't have a promise of today. You could walk out of here and this be your last day. I hope it's not. But you don't know. You have no guarantees, but home is heaven, 
And Jesus paid the price for any sin and every sin you've committed that you have already done and that you will come in the future. He's covered you with blood. And all you have to do is say, thank you, God. I receive you. I accept it. I want you. Be my savior. Be my king. And if that's you, just pray right now. It won't be the only prayer you ever pray to God, but it could be a good start. It'll be a real good start. It goes like this. Father God, I need you. Jesus, I acknowledge you, my Savior. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for resurrection. Thank you for forgiving me. I give you my life. Holy Spirit, come live on the inside of me. Show me your discernment. Lead me in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys, if you've prayed that for the first time, I want to know about that, okay? I want you to come up here and talk to some of our leaders if you prayed that for the first time. And if you prayed it and you hadn't prayed it in a long time and you prayed it again, come and talk with us. We just want to encourage you for a minute. Thank you for your attention today. Stick around while we baptize Maisha, and I love you a lot. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Remember to like and subscribe to this podcast. You can learn more about The Loft Gathering by visiting loftgathering.com or by joining us for Sunday morning worship service at 10.30 a.m. Till next time, be blessed.